So my rule is before you move on, get perspective, then move on. Yeah. So so what does that mean? Move on means what's the next race. Perspective means where did I come from to where I am today and enjoy that. Smell the roses, be happy, and then aim for your next race. This podcast is brought to you by Trivelo Coaching, where we help triathletes and cyclists like you train smarter to race faster. I'm your host, Jordan Donnelly, and on my left is former Australian Ironman champion and head coach of Trivelo Coaching, Jared Donnelly. Well, here we are. It is the final podcast of the year. We're really excited to bring you the final episode. I love this episode. It's one of my favorite ones to do each year. We've done it a few years in a row now where it's the year in review and you get to reflect on the year that was. You think about everything that happened and when you really do think back over the last 12 months, so much does happen. And so it's really exciting to think about things that worked, things that you've changed in training, things that we've tried, things that we've learned um, and some of the really cool moments that have happened in sport. So really excited for that. Um, Dad, we'll get straight into it. And we're going to start off with a bang. We On every episode, we do our gratitudes of the week. Now we're going to do what are you grateful for this year? So There's so many options here, which I'm hesitating on because I really had to think deeply about what is the most grateful thing I'm, I'm here to say. And, and I suppose um, the fact that we can have the opportunity to run this podcast and we can reach so many people and the emails and texts we get to say how grateful they are that we're giving out information that's helping them on their journey. And so I think the reason why we started podcasting was to to get as many expert guests and to give as much information from, from our, not only ourselves but from other experts in their fields uh, out to the masses so that they can actually get something and some value from this. And um, with all the amount of uh, replies we get of gratitude, I am grateful for the fact that we can actually get this out and, and help people on their journey because that is actually the goal of what what Trivalo Coaching stands for, which is to really help people on their journey. Um, and whether they're part of our program or whether they're just listening to it on a podcast, um that doesn't matter to us. We just want to make sure people are learning and improving and being a better version of themselves. And if this platform can can do that, then I'm extremely grateful that we have the opportunity. That's a great one. Um, you always do put a lot of pressure on the gratitudes and you tend to deliver. So. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I, I totally agree. It's um, it's everything we'd hoped it would be. Uh, it's been great to, um, yeah, month on month. Um, break our own records for the amount of listeners we're getting, uh, the amount of messages we get. Um, it's just awesome. It makes the podcast really worth it. And we always say we just get to talk about the things we're talking about anyway. We just we're reviewing races, we're reviewing, reviewing athlete programs, we're talking about training programs, and we do that anyway all week. It's just good to sit down on a formal podcast and record it and talk about the best stuff of the week. So I share that gratitude. Um, my gratitude is uh, I'm going to open up a little bit here and um, talk about my year, which I haven't done. We don't do heaps on this podcast. We, we tend to not make it as much about us when there's something notable, we might say it. Um, and I spent half the year in the form of my life and half the year miserable and sick and not training, um, which is just two very contrasting things to have throughout the year. Um, and I kind of want to touch on that experience. And uh, it's a bit of vulnerability on this podcast, but um, 
I mid-year, I trained really hard for some key races and I was running and riding the best I ever have, best numbers, best speed, um, best times in, in time trialing and running. And I was, yeah, at peak fitness level and I decided to go and spend some time traveling at that point, knowing that um, it would cost a bit of sacrifice when you're traveling, you don't have a bike and um, really enjoyed some time traveling, um, knowing that it willingly put me backwards. Um, but then that combined with this year um, getting, I got sick so many times this year that it was, I almost start to lose count. And for someone that never gets sick, um, just luckily my whole adult life, I just haven't gotten sick. And that's kind of the case for a lot of people, I think just catching random bouts of the flu. It was COVID a couple of times, but um, but the other times it was just just flu, just run down. Um, super frustrating. Um, but it really made me reflect on the message that we had talked about so many times this year. And for me, towards the back end of this year, it just hit home so much about why we're doing this. And um, as much as I love aiming for a goal and aiming for a race, I really realized this year that I find so much more fulfillment and enjoyment when I focus on the day-to-day and I focus on the process and enjoying what the days and weeks actually look like because when that's taken away a little bit um, and you keep relying on goals and events and races to work for, work towards, um, you just end up really in a a poor mental place because those goals and races are taken away from you because you're sick or injured or something. Um, And so I have to find a lot more enjoyment in just getting back to training again and and building it and working towards that. And so that message, um, as, as simple as it is and as cliche as it is, and as many times we've said it this year, uh, I, I just being grateful for um, what we get to do each day and waking up and getting to train and, and sticking to a training program um, has given me so much mental strength and enjoyment. Um, I still want to aim for races and those kind of things. And it's awesome when you go to a race and you achieve the goal you set. And that was one of my peak moments of this year is you know, having my best races um, but you've got to be careful because um, when that goal is taken away from you and you've relied everything on that, uh, I find that that's not a good place to be. Whereas if you can do that at the same time as enjoying what you're doing day to day, I find that's a much better place to be. So, yeah, that's a yeah well, insight. Well, I think it's a really good one. And uh, funnily enough, uh, today we're actually we're not combining our notes. We've, we've made some topics where I don't know what you're going to say and you don't know what I'm going to say, but you've already touched on one of the things that I'm going to say. And, and we'll get to that in the next part of it, but it's a really well, well said. You just don't know what's going to happen next. And, and if you're defining yourself by, uh, a final outcome, then if you don't achieve that outcome, what's it been for? It could be, then you're depressed and miserable because you didn't achieve that outcome because you're defining yourself by that. Mm. Whereas what you're saying is the journey is just as important and each day and thinking about what you want to achieve each day is actually more important than the final destination. We have said that a lot, but but that is really well said. You, you, you can't be – you need goals. Everybody needs to have something to reach towards and, and work towards, and they're, they're good things. But at the end of the day, you, you really must – focus on the day-to-day to get to that uh, part. And the fun part is what's going to happen today. Mm. And because you, you could wake up tomorrow and you've, you know, dare I say it, two athletes we coach are in hospital right now from being hit by a car. And one's going to be possibly six months before he rides again and or rides to the same level. And that's a journey that we don't want to be on. So, so be grateful for 
for your health and for everything that's that you're, you're able to do each day because you just don't know what's going to happen next. And and that's a really sobering thought. Mm. Um, we are we are on a we're very vulnerable species because we've got so many things that could happen to us um, with with the technology we have. Um, and so, so it's really good that we do the gratitude and, and I, I really love this part of that podcast and I don't want to spend too much more time on it because we've got to get a lot, get, get a lot through things that we're going to talk about. But, but the gratitude, if people, if more people thought about what they're, they're happy about each day and, and because we do this, it makes me think about, well, what, what am I grateful for? And, and it, it makes me a better person because I have to think about, um, and you know you've been doing this for a long time yourself. With uh, when you did it with uh, Jordy Moncrief, um, every morning at boot camp, you would ask the group, "What are they grateful for?" And everybody had to think and set their day up. You know, five days a week mm-hmm. you were meeting these people, and and mm-hmm. and they were very simple gratitudes, but mm-hmm. it made people think differently about their day. Mm-hmm. And and I think if we all started to do that a bit more in our lives, um, we would have more meaning in, in each day. And I think that's a really good thing. Totally agree. Absolutely agree. So for the rest of the episode, we're going to go through our performances of the year, our favorite uh, performances from pro races around the world. We're going to go through our biggest lessons and our biggest challenges as well that we want to pass on. And yeah, I'm really excited as well because we haven't compared notes. So uh, I'll be interested to see what we've done. Yeah, exactly. Which I imagine will be the case. Um, Performances, performance of the year. Hold off on your number one. Um, and I just want to go through a couple of notable mentions because we said we've got a lot to get from this podcast. So we don't want to go over time, but we just both couldn't help ourselves. I like, know we've probably got more than a couple. Yeah. Well, okay. I've got three, but I'll, I'll give them in three, two, one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I'll hold off on the one. Yeah. So three is Jonas Vinegard winning the Tour de France and mm-hmm. beating Pogaccia, which was, that was just pretty impressive. Yeah. And Pogaccia was odds on to win easily. That was a notable for me. It was yep. the greatest Tour de France I've ever, I've ever seen, yep. um, combined with the first Women's Tour de France. I think that whole spectacle was yep. incredible. It was yep. fantastic. Um, second was um, Jake Whiteman beating Jakob Ingebrigtsen um, in the World 1500 Meter Title and a time of three stunning time of three twenty nine. Yeah, and and Ingebrigtsen was unbeatable. Yep. And Jake Whiteman threw down the gauntlet, risked everything, and it was pretty impressive. Yeah. It was unbelievable. It was one of the races of the year, to be honest. Um, and you could say that the domination of Jakob this year was was up there with. He was one of the athletes of the year. Um, he absolutely was. Yeah, and yeah. he won his first world champ championship title in the five thousand meters, but he didn't do the double in the fifteen hundred because of Jake Whiteman. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll hold off there, and I'll, I'll I just want to touch on a few that we just couldn't go without mentioning. You know, I don't even know what your number one is, so I won't do the notable mentions till after. <laughs> um, I couldn't split these two for me. So I've got two number ones. I just couldn't help it. Um, the first is uh, Sydney McLaughlin, uh, 400-meter hurdler in the athletics. Uh, if you didn't know her story this year, what she did was just unbelievably remarkable. I still can't grasp how dominant she was. Um, she now She's now running 400-meter hurdle times that are faster than the top eight women in the world running 400 metres. I, I equate what she's doing to the level of what Usain Bolt has done in his career. And he's, mm. he's arguably one of the greatest athletes of all time. I think she has already established herself as that. It was, it was spine tingling watching her turning up to races this year and just dominate the way she has. And I hope she turns to 400 metres because, and we see her dominate that sport like no one has before. Just, yeah, her, her races this year, breaking her own world record multiple times. She kept breaking the 53-second barrier, the 52-second mm. barrier. It was just um, absolutely incredible. So I just have to say her in athletics, um, my my athlete of the year. 
Um, I'll let you go number one and then I'll say my number one. <laughs> we might have the same one. <laughs> All right. So I'm very biased on this. A is Belgium and it's Remco Evanapol. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because he had the most horrific crash and, and he was more than likely never going to ride a bike again. Yeah. And yet I think it's 18 months since his crash. If you've seen the footage of him... Not he, being able to walk. Yeah, though. it's incredible. He, he's literally in the hospital bed and then he's learning how to walk again with full assistance and then there's footage of him learning how to um, single leg or double leg hop first and single leg hop. It's just amazing. Where, where he's come from and then he... he what happened? He, he started racing and, and started really putting himself out there in races and going into breaks and almost with no care. It was almost like he had nothing to lose and testing himself, he comes out and wins the welter, and then he comes out to Australia and wins the world title and rode away from the field. I just think that is the most outstanding thing. The comeback is pretty impressive, but to, to be world champion after that, wow. It was, yeah, truly incredible. And the, the best part about the story is that he was touted as a 17, 18, 19-year-old to be the next world champion, and then the crash happened, and everyone thought, is that it? Is that his career done? Like, mm. will he ever come back? And for him to do that and, yeah, become world champ, win the Volta, just unbelievable. I totally agree with that. I couldn't go past um, Australian, first Australian ever to win Giro d'Italia on the three big grand tours, Jai Hindley. Yeah. That was um, as remarkable as a as a um, race and performance you can get from an Aussie and just so proud to watch that and still can't really be, believe it happened. It was just unbelievable the way it unfolded. So that's a really good, that's a really good selection. And, you know, being in Australian podcasting, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, you know, it, people quickly forget races come and go, but that was an outstanding achievement. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he had, had, to, he had to throw the gauntlet down and he was, everybody was attacking him yeah. and, that was pretty impressive. Yeah. I just want to throw out some other notable ones because we have to talk about them. Ollie Hall winning gold medal at 1,500-meter Commonwealth Games. Freaking phenomenal. First time it's happened for Australia in 50 years, as well as Jess Stenson winning the marathon. Um, I thought the Kona performances, the underdog, who was not expected to win, Chelsea Star, her Kona win was mm. um, remarkable. Um, two Aussies winning stages in the Tour de France. So Michael Matthews, his epic stage win, yep. just so memorable, as well as Simon Clark's return, uh, mm. his stage win, mm. just freaking ridiculous. Um, we put a video of that on our yes. Instagram if you want to go yeah. look at it because it was just so awesome. Um, and Ash Gentle. Um, took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. I was about to say, don't forget Ash Gentle. If you had finished there, that was what I was about to say. Yeah. Winning the Canadian Open, the yeah. US Open, um, if it was it was Dallas or um, it was yeah. no, PTO, three PTO events. Yeah, three PTO events plus the Collins Cup. Yeah, um, team. Yeah, what? And she plus her ninth Noosa in a row. <laughs> ninth Noosa. That was yeah. I forgot about that. But yeah. but the thing was the last the US Open PTO. She was nine minutes behind at the end of the bike mm. for an eighteen k run, and she won by a minute something. Mm. That is impressive. Yeah. That that's she, she has some future. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, cannot wait to see how she goes because she's in flying form. She actually just put an Instagram post up yesterday of how she after Nusa she went and got married, went on their honeymoon, and she's come back. Um, and she posted first day back in training, going to be going to be a long journey back to fitness. And I thought that's such a funny comment because only 
four weeks ago, she's she's one of the best athletes in the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's not going to be that long for her. But I guess to a pro athlete, when you have a few weeks off, it feels like forever. Could but, be the best thing for it. Yeah, exactly. Quick side note: um, a friend of mine recently was just feeling so burnt out, and they took two weeks off training, just um, needed the rest, needed the break. Uh, they've come back and hit PBs and everything after two weeks off. Um, after a year of pretty stagnant results, I thought that was. Uh, again, just an anecdotal story, but I thought that's a very mm. interesting thing to happen. Um, mm. Mentally, they were just burnt out um, and they just said stuff that I'm not training for anything specific. I'm just going to take two weeks off. And they could not believe that they hit um, two PBs in one week. They're like, I just feel so fresh and amazing. It's a- that should be their next taper. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A full two weeks. <laughs> um, and we didn't touch on the Norwegian boys, but Christian and Gustav, um, their performances. Yep. Christian, you said to me the other day, when you really think about it, since the Olympics, he won the Olympic Games, world champion, ITU. He did win the Ironman World Championship, even though it was in St. George, and he won the 70.3 World Championship in St. George. So he has tipped off all four in a calendar year. Incredible. Didn't win Kona, but still he won the world champ that was available to him. Yeah. So Yeah, uh, you can't go past that. Yeah, at least. There's pretty outstanding results there, so well done. A great year in sport. We couldn't not go through it. But let's go into our uh, lessons of the year. Now, what we're going to do here is there's six, we've chosen six biggest lessons each. We're going to go one by one and a wonderful double up. And uh, again, we're going to try and get through these pretty quickly. Uh, I feel like the biggest liar in the world every time I say that because we ended up just, <laughs> we ended up overdoing it every time. But um, lesson number one, go for it. Okay. I'm going to go with this one because I'm just switching my order around. Get the balance right. That would be one of the things that you would actually agree with. Um, the balance is... Um, I want to do all these things, but I still want to enjoy my my athletics, my sport. Um, but I, I want to have a social life. I want to have a life outside of training. I want to do, be good at my job. I want to be good with my family. Just I want to eat well. There's so many things I'm saying here that all go back to balance, just getting the balance of your life in order and just watch things go better. That's, you know... You only have to tweak things a little bit. Should I do that? And how the consequence word, consequences are going to happen for every decision you make. So, so keep keep your mindset on, is this helping my balance? Because if it's not, the consequences could be quite detrimental and you could get injured or sick or even worse, you know, feel quite depressed about things because uh, things aren't going well. So your aim every day should be to get a, a really good balance of everything and that's probably one of my number one things. It was a funny experience for us this year because you you really are my coach and I was the worst type of athlete that we talked about on the podcast because I just wanted to do too many things at once, too many varied things, too many contrasting goals um, and it ended up in the results that it did. And, um, yeah, it's a good learning experience because that it still happens in it, and a lot of people have that. You know, some people are very single-mindedly focused on something. Um, mm, and- there's nothing wrong with that either. Mm. Um, but but that anything that's um, extreme um, is going to be unsustainable, in my opinion. And that and I'm I've done that. I've been extreme, and you can't keep doing it. Uh, something has to go. Something has to give. So just try and be more balanced. My first lesson is uh, of a similar note, but it's the um, it's the getting the um, the nuances right between the frequency, volume, and intensity, and that was just so apparent to me this year in so many different contexts. Um, but too quickly, people aim for getting the intensity right before they get the consistency of training right and getting their volume up. And 
That doesn't mean that you can only do one at a time. You always, at the start of your program, you still have intensity, but you just can't handle that much early. And I've just watched myself and so many other people just try and go too hard too early because maybe we've been able to do that before or we're just excited. Um, but getting those other two right first and getting that 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 balance right um, and really taking care of, you know, uh, that part of your programming. So, so how frequently are you training? How much volume are you introducing? How much intensity are you introducing is, is a really important point. Resuming the intensity too hard and resuming at a number that you could do previously after an injury or illness is a huge mistake yep. that people continue to make. So. Yep. Lesson number two. Um, so one of the best lessons I've kind of learnt was, um, which is what you talked about in your gratitude, which was in, enjoy the journey as much as you enjoy the destination. So I kind of touched on it already. So um, so for me, um, yeah, there's lots of things happened this year for me as well with some injury issues um, and, and I've had goals that have just come and gone and I haven't even, unlike you, you've, you've reached some goals which has given you such good um, feedback or or release of dopamine, yeah. you know, satisfaction. satisfaction. So when you talk about setting goals, if your whole year is based on the outcome of that one goal, and you don't actually get to compete in those events or or don't achieve the goal that you're that you're aiming for, you're going to be quite a miserable human being. Um, so so I really the lesson I've learned is. Is really enjoying the journey and the training and and the finding out how well I'm going each day and 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 loving the fact that I'm I am improving um, along that that period of whether it's a twenty week program or thirty weeks where I'm aiming towards this one goal. So when I get to the day, I've already had ninety five percent of my experience. The actual day, race day is five percent. Mm. Fantastic day, mm. but it's only making up five percent of of my fun, my mm. fun factor. Yeah. And I think that's a really good lesson that I've learned this year is that the, the races I've missed, I've gone, oh, it doesn't matter. There'll always be another goal yeah. because I've, all, I've had a great experience along the way. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy with the way I've trained. My yeah. form's good. Unfortunately, I got COVID. Yeah. Um, so, so I couldn't, I couldn't do anything about it. Um, but, but if I'd, if I'd thought the other way, this is the one thing I'm aiming for for this year. Oh, my God, I can't do that race. Um, what was the point of the year? Well, I'm not thinking like that at all. I'm mm-hmm. thinking I had a really good year. Um, my fitness is still good. I'm happy with the form. Um, I could always be better. But but there's a different way of thinking about things, I think. And that's, that's one of the things I've definitely learnt. I think uh, the thought that comes to mind is uh, the mistake mindset of – I will be happy when I achieve X, you know, I, I will be happy when I do X race in this time or, um, and you will be, don't forget, you will be happy. Yeah. But it's, but if your happiness is dependent on that, then that's, that's the, the problem. Yeah. yeah. Because if that's taken away, well then you're in trouble. And I was listening to this psychologist speak about this and he said that if that's the way you're going to live life, then you're in trouble because that satisfied feeling will last all of one, two, three, maybe five days after um, after the event happens, you know, and it happens in any context of life. I'll be happy when I get X job, or I'll, I'll happy when I when I do this thing. Um, and a race is a little bit different because you can always reflect on good races you had, and you'll always have that satisfaction. But um, but the strong feeling of happiness that you're looking for won't be there the week after. You'll be left feeling a little bit empty because it's like, what's next? And if you've got 
a routine that you enjoy and you've set training up so that you enjoy it, then that you can keep doing that regardless of the race. So yeah, I really love that point. Um, my second point is uh, a point from Professor Louise Burke who came on the podcast and it's just really stuck with me. Uh, and she was super conscious of having really balanced food throughout the day for energy levels. Uh, are you laughing? Cause you've <laughs> <laughs> used it in another context. Yeah. Um, yeah. She just spoke about, um, you know, we just, we get into traps of uh, eating one massive meal here or one massive, you know, massive amount of meat for dinner. Um, and since she told me that, I've noticed a, m- a major difference in my own energy levels. I've just been conscious of even meals throughout the day, even protein intake in levels throughout the day. And I've really enjoyed that. So that's really stuck with me. And I think that's a really valuable nutrition lesson. Your number three. Um, surround yourself with people who are going to challenge, challenge you and help you. Um, so, so that's a little bit about the big fish in the little pond sort of thing. Um, I want to I want to make sure that I'm being challenged um, in the way I'm thinking, in the way I'm behaving, in the way I'm training, in the way I'm living, and and I want to surround myself with people who I like and I get on with, but are also challenging me. And I don't mean in a physical way. I just mean challenging me to be a better person mm-hmm. and. And I think that's one of the things I've learned from so many people that we've interviewed in, in, on the podcast um, and so many athletes that I've coached. I'm learning so much from them. And um, when I have to justify the reasons why they're doing a certain thing, that's a challenge to me. Because if I don't explain it very well, they're not going to be happy with that. Mm-hmm. With that. Uh, and they won't train as well because they're not, they're not trusting that what I'm saying is mm-hmm. – is making much sense. So, so I have to be really, uh, I like being challenged, um, whether it's through that or challenged in a race situation, doing something that, that's going to really, uh, put me to my limit. I, I quite enjoy that and it might be a masochist way of, of living, but, but I don't want to be on easy street. I want to each, I think I will be, I'll be able to live longer and be a better human if I'm challenging myself along, along the journey rather than, getting to 65, which I'm almost there and saying, oh, I've done okay. Um, let's just rest on that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to be really pushing myself at 85. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that sounds ridiculous to some people, but but that's my challenge mm-hmm. is how, how long can I keep my, my enthusiasm, my motivation um, and helping other people. So, so yeah, I, I want to be surrounding myself with people who are going to uh, keep me interested in life and challenge me. Perfect. Uh, my number three is making sure that you're getting an objective view on your performance and whether that's from a coach, which is probably the most applicable and and um, appropriate because they you know, should know how to um, analyze your race and your data. Uh, but even if it's from a friend or family who knows you as well, for the purpose of making sure that you're appreciating your performances and your wins. And we've spoken about this a lot this year, um, but as athletes, we have really lofty goals and we really, we always want to get better and we have a principle at Trivello that you, you must appreciate your wins um, because when you get a five five watt FTP improvement, or you get a fifty watt, or you get a small PB in 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 your time running time trial, or your race, you've done the best place you've ever gotten, or the best time you've ever done. You've got to stop and appreciate that. And because uh, athletes are so competitive, we just notice this pattern of so many athletes not doing it, and you're constantly grabbing athletes and saying, "Stop for a second! Like, look what you just did!" You know, and you have to think about the fact that when you finally do four hours, 29 for the 70.3, because that's been your goal for a while, suddenly you're in that category and you think, well, if 4.29 is possible, 
420 is possible. And so I want to get there. And so suddenly 429 doesn't seem good enough because you're already thinking about the next thing, which is which is good. But the flip side of that coin is you were a 450 athlete or you were a five-hour athlete. And that athlete at the time, you have to think about that person. They would have, if you told them that in 12 months, you're going to do a four-hour 29, 70.3, they would have been jumping through the moon. But because their perspective and their standards have changed, 429 suddenly doesn't seem so good because they know they could probably do a little bit better. So that's just a really key point, I think. Ah, spot on. I could not agree more. And the, the key things that I've implemented is, because I'm having this conversation a lot with people who've just completed their, their A race and they have done incredibly well. And I'm actually feeling like I'm talking them into being happy because we've motivated them so well yeah. that they're straight away thinking, I can do better. Exactly. And that's yeah. the conversation I'm having. Yeah. I could have done this, I could have done that. And they're taking a post-race analysis too far, yeah. too quickly. Yeah. So my rule is, before you move on, get perspective. Then move on. Yeah. So, yeah. so what does that mean? Move on means what's the next race yeah. perspective means where do I come from to where I am today yeah. be, and enjoy that smell the roses be happy and then aim for your next race perfect point number four <sighs> this is a bit humbling I want to I want to learn more through listening more so so I've got a lot of ideas in my head but I I think that there's a lot more I could learn if I was more more of a list, uh, more of a listener. So listen more. That's one of the things I think I've learnt this year. Is the more I listen, the more my brain is scrambling with more ideas, um, and I think that makes for a better coach. Mm. Um, so, so I can't wait to go for walks and just tune into certain people that I really rate, and I want to hear what their perspective is, and then I'm forming opinions mm-hmm. about what they're saying. So yeah. It is hard uh, when you're, you're so bu- your mind's so busy trying to help people that you're, you're, you could be stopping the learning process. Mm-hmm. And so I want to continue to learn more. And that, the only way you can do that is by listening to people who are, have more information than you have. So, yeah. Spot on. Um, my number four was uh, the value of um, training outside of the main sports of your discipline. And that big one there is strength and conditioning. Um I've gone through a big. I started from a strength and conditioning background, but mm. I've gone through a big phase of um, of not varying that as much. Then this year, that's really come back. Just um, a lot of people have just continued to reiterate that, and um, so much so that um, I just think, yeah, it, it really has to become a part of most endurance athletes' um, programs. Is the strength and conditioning, but not just that. Having a variety in your training because. What I've personally realized is um, since stopping playing a lot of other sports um, and really focusing on on um, specific sports, specific sports, yeah, you they're very very one dimensional. Cycling and running is just full front and back, you know, not even back. It's a pull up in the bike, but it's just full frontal plane. So um, I found I just I lost so much ability through all my lateral movement and mm. um, functionality. Yeah, functionality, and that's mm. really important to me still. Um, as much as you love the other sports and training, and so adding a variety in and. And getting to the gym and doing, you know, power stuff and bounding stuff and, and sideways, yeah, movement. sideways movement and lateral mm-hmm. jumps and um, even in my drills before a running warm up, even though I don't need to do side to side stuff, including that in and making that an integral part because um, again, it's not necessary for the session, but it's just good mm-hmm. for functionality. So um, that's been a really big lesson for me this year and something I really want to keep um, mm-hmm. promoting and doing myself. It's funny, I've got a little 
story of back in the 60s, 50s, 40s, calisthenics was huge. It's like the aerobics or Pilates mm. of the 2000s. And, and you've, I've got all these images of, you know, 40 kids in a classroom all dressed in the same uniform, all white top, white pants, white socks, white shoes, all doing in time calisthenics, left movement, yeah. right movement. And, I, and I'm, as a modern person, I'm looking back and saying, how crazy is that? But they were doing sideways movements mm. and they were doing jumps and backwards and forwards. It was actually good for them mm-hmm. and, and it was giving them a whole rounded ex- physical uh, experience each day. And that's what some, that was the PE class yeah, yeah. of those eras. So it's a really good point. Yeah. Let's number five. Um, be prepared to adapt and accept changes for improvement. And as humans, um, we're not really keen on changing things. We like, uh, we like routine and we like things to be running smoothly. And, and what do I mean by be prepared to change? If things aren't going the way you want them, stop doing the same things. And that's the biggest lesson I think um, is being, being open to accept that change will be better for you. And, and that takes a lot as a human because we just don't like that. We like to be routine. I've never done it that way before. Why am I going to do that? No, I want you to do this, Jordan. Don't do those same reps you've done before. Try this and see what outcome we have there. I think you might improve from that. No, 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 Dad, I don't want to do that. I, I want to stay with what I'm used to because I know that works. Well, it might work, but at the moment, you're not improving. It might keep you at a certain level, but we're, we're always striving to improve. So let's just try this. Mm. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons is, um, you know, Monaghetti's done the same sessions for 30 years and, and he does a variety of them though. People think it's just the same sessions, but each week he's tweaking it somehow, a little bit faster, a little bit slower next week, a little bit more intensity. Um, but being willing to change and not just be the same person week in, week, week out because you will be the same person week in, week out. You know, the an- analogy we use is you, you race how you train well, that's the same thing in life. If you just do the same stuff all the time, you will be the same person. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I'm achieving, mm-hmm. aspiring to achieve. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. And that actually kind of uh, leads into my point um, from a different kind of perspective. But um, understanding that training and sports science is still so young and we get to speak to a lot of experts. We get to speak to a lot of coaches, um, experts in the field, both on the podcast, but also in private, um, which is awesome. We get a lot of valuable information and um, we're still learning so many things and, and um, a lot of the main principles still apply, but so often, month on month now, new things are coming out about what people are doing and trialing and that's key word is trialing and, and learning that the top pro athletes are willing to be so exper- experimentational has been a really big lesson for me, especially the athletes we, we've gotten to interview. Um, and then a lot of athletes are just sharing their journey online now and you, you're really seeing you know, these are the top athletes in the world. And a lot of the time they're just guessing, like, let's try this for this block, you know, which you'd think you're a pro athlete. You don't have time to guess about things, but they're willing to, and their coaching team and their staff are willing to, and um, the Norwegians are doing it from a very scientific point of view. But a lot of other coaches where we really understand that coaching and training is an art form because you're just trialing it based on the person's responses and, and seeing what works. I think that's a really important point to remember because we're, as amateur athletes, we want the perfect program. We want mm. the perfect thing given to us um, that's going to be the most effective. And we have really good answers for that. But also understand that if the pros aren't even doing that, then we can be a little bit nicer to ourselves and say that our program might not be perfect and that's okay. We can still get really good results from what we know. That's interesting because you said uh, we don't have time for that. Yeah. And and really, that's that's kind of – if you're going to 
just do something for four years straight, that's actually wasting time. Um, so why wouldn't you? Well, I've done it this way for six weeks and this is the outcome I got. What's going to happen if I do it slightly different? And that's kind of what we, what I'm doing to myself a lot. Mm. I'm, I've done that for 30 years in, in my athletic career. And, and, you know, I'm always saying to you, you know, this is a session we're meant to do, but just, just tinker a bit here mm. and try something different. Yep. And straight away, we get a little bit of a, an improvement. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how we learn mm-hmm. is by not just doing the same stuff every day and expecting a different result because it's not going to really happen. Mm-hmm. If you just keep doing the same stuff, um, you will be the same athlete. Yep. Last point each. I left my best point to last. So, well, I wonder if yours is going to be the same as mine. <laughs> Trust the process. <laughs> no, mine's a little bit more training specific, <laughs> but that's, that's a good one. So I've just said be willing to be flexible. And now I'm saying trust the process. They seem to be in conflict with each other, Mm -hmm. but they're not really. Um, Trust the process means that, you know, there is a a certain way to do things, but there's also a certain way to make it better. And and you've got to be all in um, with that. And... And what you've said before about the experts in their field, the expert physiologists, physiologists who are who are in charge of the, for example, the Norwegians, and Inga Britson's in charge. You know, the family does does his program for, and they've been incredibly successful. But the common theme is that all the athletes are trusting in the coach, and the coach might change things from one week to another, and the athletes they should be asking why, and that's a good thing. But they should also trust that this guy is is doing a lot of effort in understanding this is going to be the best thing for you. And once he's explained that to you and the reasons, then you need to be all in. You need to be 100% in, not 90, not 30. You need to be all in. on, And otherwise, you're not going to know whether it's worked. If you half do it, then you're not going to know whether it worked or not because you didn't do it properly. Mm-hmm. But if you do it properly and you don't get a good outcome, then you know that that didn't work. Mm-hmm. So so trusting the process is really difficult as humans because we've always got a better way to do things. In hindsight, it's always easier as well. Oh, why didn't he do that? He yeah. should have done training like this or she, should have, she shouldn't have done that race before that race. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not everybody's going to get it right. It's almost what you said before. But you still have to have some trust in, in the, you know, the plan you've got you know, it might not be the best plan, but it is a plan that, that's going to have some positive and some negatives. So, but trusting the process and then, and then understanding that, you know, that didn't work and making ad- adaptions or adaptations afterwards is, is kind of what I'm saying. I, there's a bit of irony here in that uh, it's harder for the beginner athlete to trust the process when, um, in our example, whenever a new athlete comes on, that's when we are most confident because we know that we can really help any athlete that comes to us you know, really get big improvements fast. Um, and it's funny that the uh, athletes that have been with us the longest um, trust the most, um, even when you're experimenting more. And they're the athletes that you're experimenting more with. And they should be least trusting because they're getting the newest things, you know, and you're, you're saying to them, I want to try this with you, this block, and here's why. And they're so trusting because of everything that's happened before. So the irony is that um, people at the start um, should find it easy to trust the process because it's so proven, you know, and the, the people who have been here for ages um, should be more skeptical, but it, it just happens the other way around, which we get. You know, when people come in, it's a new thing that they're trying, so they have to learn to trust that. I think, I think that's the important point is the ones who have been on the journey for a long time have experienced the success mm. in improvement. Mm-hmm. I don't mean success in winning. I mean mm-hmm. success in them being a better version of athlete. Mm-hmm. The people are new 
they haven't experienced that yet. Yeah. So every anything we say to them, they're going to question. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they've already reached out because yeah. they're not happy with the way they're traveling anyway. Yeah. yeah. So they should be trusting more. Yeah. Um, because I've tried it my way. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. Anything is better than my way. So let's <laughs> yeah. trust the process. Yeah. And I have that conversation a lot with the yeah. with the people who join us. Is, yeah. you know, I'm only going to coach you if you actually trust what I'm going to give you 100%, not do a version of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I normally do it this way, Jared, on a Tuesday. Well, I'm saying, well, forget that. Mm. Do it this way from now on. And then if it doesn't work, then we can have a discussion. Yeah. But let's just try the process and trust it first. Yeah, absolutely spot on. Uh, yeah, my last point was a little bit more training specific, but I just found this probably one of the most valuable points of the year. Um, and that is the value of pushing yourself within, and the key word here is within, uh, your zone two training. So we know the value of zone two training, um, but I think this year we really stepped that up to another level and we went, okay, um, what is the top amount of zone two that we can aim for? Um, and I think previously we were we were more conservative on that. And I definitely, I definitely, you know, people always say, do your easy sessions easy and hard sessions hard. I think that's something that we're really good at. And I was probably too good at that. I was probably doing the easy sessions a little bit too easy because with a lot of training experience and with a good fitness level under your belt, you can afford to push that zone two right to the top limit without affecting the rest of your week. And when I started doing that, I really noticed a big change um, because I'd spent so many years doing a lot of lower end zone two, top of zone one, which is basically recovery sessions because I was too afraid of pushing that too hard. I wanted to make sure my easy sessions were easy. And so this doesn't apply as much to beginner athletes. Um, You should be at the low end of zone two when you have a zone two specific training slash maybe just getting your frequency up. So just doing recovery sessions. Um, But for those athletes with a bit more experience under your belt, um, yeah, really pushing to that top of zone two. And sometimes I accidentally... You know, we're doing up to wears on Zwift um, where it's supposed to be a zone two ride and you get competitive because you want to do a PB at the end and you like, you might sprint the last K and it's definitely above zone two. Um, but I still found that I could handle that when when things were going well and um, you couldn't do that every week because you would eventually burn out. Um, but I just found that, yeah, doing that combined with everything we know about hard training made a massive difference this year. Yeah, that's a really good point to finish on. And, and look, there is no denying that our body can absorb more load the longer we train. Um, so if you've been training for five minutes and comparing yourself to someone who's been training for 10 years, you can't handle the same load. And there are consequences for you trying to ride with someone who's been riding for 10 years and you're just new to it. They, the outcome for, from that zone two session will be catastrophic for one mm-hmm. and a piece of cake for the other. Mm-hmm. If you try and ride like the experienced person, they have no consequences from that they can line up the next day their bodies absorb the load they line up for their high intensity session the next day and cope no problem the new person the load is way too high they can't recover from it and they're barely able to ride the next day never mind do the session so it's a great point you make and and i think that is one of the things that we've learned really big time this year is um what what your aerobic fitness bank is made up of is it made up of five minutes Mm. five months five years or ten years Mm. And that bank fitness, as we as we use that analogy, you can't take money out of the bank unless you rob it, or unless you go and make a transaction. Otherwise, it stays there forever. And your fitness is the same. You can't take your fitness away unless you're injured or sick. So it will be like a withdrawal. It'll slowly go down. But generally, ten years of training is a long base of, up, of fitness. Yeah. So it takes a long time. But if you've been doing it for five weeks. You have no money in that bank. You have no fitness in that bank. Yep. So, so the minute you take a week off after five weeks, that's a fifth of your of your bank. Yeah. Compared to one week after ten years, it's like point oh 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 one yeah. of your bank. 
An example is in our triathlon programs, um, the runs off the bike for a long time for a lot of athletes that start, um, and I'm talking six months plus, sometimes 12 months plus, sometimes two years, the runs off the bike are not, not in a specific training zone. You know, it's just getting used to running off the bike. Um, which might seem counterproductive, but a lot of people just can't handle that. Um, and then it moves into a zone two, you know, run off the bike, and then it moves into, you know, sometimes doing a 5K time trial off the bike on a um, after a big endurance ride, something like that. But again, athletes can't handle that straight away. So, Yeah, um, well done. That's, uh, I think they're really great lessons we've learned from this year, and I couldn't have summed it up any better. Well done. Finish off. Um, I did have Dan uh, talking about a biggest challenge of the year. Um, I've kind of touched on mine mm. variously, so I don't have to say mine, but did you have anything extra you wanted? No. Yeah. No, I'm happy with that. Well, the last thing we wanted to t- talk about was um, our favorite podcast, Guest of the Year, and why. And that was just a – we've done a lot of good episodes, and if you hadn't heard these, then um, go back and listen to them. If you had heard them, go back and listen again because we found these the most valuable. So I'll let you go first. What did you well, choose? I, look, I had two, and, I, and I, I'm going to – quickly skim on the first one but yeah. the second one's the one I want to make is my yeah. my favourite yeah. so Dr Louise Burke was up there with my favourite yeah. um, because she made she made nutrition real in her in her. if you get a chance go back and listen to that yeah. and she had that balance right yeah. and and she is such an expert in her field in the world yet she made it simple and tried not to complicate mm-hmm. nutrition mm-hmm. and I think I think nutrition should be simple and not complicated yeah. so that was really a favourite yeah. that's probably one you've picked um and look sarah klein her story to me was quite incredible her resilience um her her not getting knocked down and then coming back and then getting to the world titles um representing australia after she'd been wrongly accused of being a drug cheat um and that was an eight-year journey and i found that story just up there with you know if I feel there's something bad happened in my life, that is, you know, that could be the most disastrous thing. You know, your whole world is result- revolving around um, being an athlete and that's taken away from you unfairly and yet to be not bitter and twisted and to get back up and, and get back to the top again and go to the world titles and do a PB after all that, that happened to you. Um, it's not about winning. It's about it's about what you do when you get knocked down, mm. um, and what a what a human being. Um, yeah, it was a it was a really really good story. Yeah, that was up there. Um, couldn't agree more. I th- and yeah, my answer was uh, Louise Burke as well. Was <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite episode of the year. Far out. Uh, same thing. I just found her um, advice so comforting and just so um, simple and achievable and. A little bits of advice can make such a difference. I mean, we definitely try and complicate nutrition um, and it's just so key for endurance athletes and there's just not that much good applicable advice. And she just broke it down to here's some things to focus on, here's some simple steps. Um, I did a lot of them, made a massive difference. So yeah, I'd say go back and, and listen to that. That is it for the year. What a year it's been. Uh, yeah, we really enjoyed this. We really enjoyed bringing these podcast episodes to you. And um, we're always hoping to evolve and grow the episodes. Um, we've got some big plans for next year about some directional things you want to do. Um, but as always, we'd love to hear from you what you thought of, of the year, what things you enjoyed, um, what lessons you learned from the podcast. Um, send us an email, reply to our emails, um, send us a message on, on Instagram or any of the social media platforms and tell us what was your favorite episode. 
Um, or what did you learn from the year or take away that if we haven't mentioned it today because we're always interested to know. And the purpose of this podcast is to bring you valuable information. So the more we can learn about what you're finding valuable or what you enjoy, um, it definitely helps us with, we know the direction we want to go. We've got ideas of the types of guests we want to get on for next year, which we're really excited about. Um, but yeah, that was a pretty good year, Dad. And um, yeah, I think the, the podcast is, has been a lot of fun and we're getting a lot out of it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Jordan. Look, I really look forward to it, especially uh, this last one where we're in the same building um, <laughs> and in the studio doing our podcast for the first time in what seems like months. But but I, I look forward to the podcast and I love the way you've brought brought the podcast because you do it all. Um, so I want to thank you for that. I, I'm just along here for the ride and trying to put my bid in when you ask me a question. <laughs> um, but it is all your work and uh, you should be really um, – happy with the way you've gone about this because I am it's it's a it's a really it's a credit to you the way you've uh, you've worked hard at uh, you know getting guests on and it's not easy to, to get people to, uh, to to agree to come on and um, it takes a lot of preparation and uh, and to produce these uh, these podcasts I don't know if people understand what goes into it it isn't it isn't straightforward um, and we've had a f- you know I've had one or two and today was one of those where <laughs> the technology can destroy the podcast and, mm. and we've had to fight our way through it. And look, the one disappointing one was, um, was Joe Friel, one of the, one of the guru podcast persons that I wanted to listen to. And we've had him, we've had him on twice. Unfortunately, we could only have, have him, you, you the listeners hear him once because the whole hour and a half was lost. Um, and we both could not believe it. It's not something you can repeat. And, uh, and you know, so it does take a lot and uh, it is frustrating sometimes, but uh, we've really loved bringing them too. And we get, I, I get so chuffed when I'm at, at events and people come up and say, I'm really getting a lot out of your podcast because that's why we're doing it. We want to help people uh, become better versions of themselves. And that's the only reason we're doing it. And we're looking for guests who, who can contribute to helping you understand what you should be doing to improve yourself and and if and if we've achieved that then I'm a happy person. The Joe Friel one was an absolute killer because it was you know you can imagine an hour and a half talking to him how much valuable information well which, which we got to hear which is was amazing for us but unfortunately you guys didn't listen to it but he was so kind about it and he did offer to come on again so we will be able to get him back on. Um, and yeah, sorry about today as well with the first half of the episode, the audio is not as clean as we want, uh, because we had major audio uh, we lost the audio file from the main, uh, headphones. Um, so hopefully the first half was bearable because I can't stand listening to poor audio. So it's going to grind my gears when this is out, but yeah. uh, that's what we have to do. So that's it for us. Thank you very much again for listening for the year. Uh, we do want to hear from you and we can't wait to see you next year. The first episode will be back uh, in the first few days of January. We'll have a good Christmas and New Year break. Um, we can't wait to see and see you next year. Cheers. Cheers.